Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Open your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 77. Psalm and chapter Psalm 77. I'm excited about getting into this. I really enjoyed this past weekend, like most of you, how we, we got to see you know, all those the friends of the past who were able to be here with us for Anniversary Sunday. And I kind of feel bad. You guys you have heard Pastor, Pastor Jones, Pastor Wilkerson, Pastor Delaney, and now you got me tonight. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's open your Bible to Psalm chapter 77, and we'll get into this right now. If you could stand with me as we read. Stand as we read out of the respects for God's word. We're going to read the entire psalm of 20 verses. So if you could follow along as I read aloud. Psalm 77 verse 1 says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, This is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all, the, all thy works and talk of thy doings. Thy, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that dost wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, and the waters saw thee, they were afraid. The depths were also troubled. The clouds poured out water, the skies sent out a sound, thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, the lightnings lightened the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock at the hand of the Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every one of these people that are here tonight. I pray that you would please help us now as we, we read your word and dive into it and see what you have for us. I pray you'd please help me to uh, be a blessing. I pray that you'd speak through me and use me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, Psalm 77 is one of the 12 Psalms of Asaph. It'll probably be there in the title under your Bible. I'm going to say Psalm 77, to the chief musician, to Jeduthun, the Psalm of, Psalm of Asaph. And it's split up into two parts. In every couple of verses, you'll see the word Selah. It's almost like it's split up into verses or, or choruses in every, every couple of verses. And it's split up into two parts, verses 1 through 9, as we read, you can tell it was full of sorrow. He's full of sadness. He's going through a time of depression, a time of hardship. And then as you see, you know, in, in verse 10, it's almost like the clouds part and, and things get better all of a sudden and he's happy and he's rejoicing and he's remembering 
what God has done for him. And, and it's, it's got two very distinct parts. Part one, where he's sorrowful. Part two, where he's rejoicing. And if I can tonight, I'd like to just go through this chapter verse by verse and, and see, you know, what Asaph, when he wrote this song, you know, what was he experiencing? You know, what, why did he write this? And how can we apply it to our lives today? What is it good for us today? And what can we take away from it as we leave this place tonight? I don't plan on being too long, but I pray that you would, you would please be receptive, be open, and, and, you know, this is the Word of God. Not much that I can say is going gonna, is, is gonna to be uh, new to you, interesting, but I know that the Word of God is always, always a blessing. We always can learn from it. Let's start. Let's read real quick verses 1 through 3. I'll read it one more time, and we're going to dive into the first part of this chapter. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. This first three verses, it sets the stage for the next six verses of how he is in deep trouble. The Bible doesn't specify what kind of trouble it is. It doesn't say that it was emotional trouble, spiritual trouble, physical trouble. It just says that he, you know, he was desperate for answers. And he was crying out. He was crying out in the night. He said he was, you know, he, he cried out and he wanted to hear from God. He wanted an answer from God. And several times it says he cried out. He says he stayed up all night. He says, you know, it's very interesting the kinds of words that he uses. But it's, it's obvious that he is distraught. He's very troubled in his heart. And as he prays, he prays long, earnestly seeking God's face. And it seems to be that, that he's not able to find Peace. He's not finding the answers that, that he seeks from God. You know, he's in this hard place. He's going through trouble. He's going through a trial. And he, he feels like he's alone. He feels like the, it's unnecessary that, that he's going through this trial. He's having these troubles. And he's crying out to God. And, and just in the first nine verses, it's almost like he's, he's throwing a little pity party. And he's saying, you know, why is this happening to me? I'm so miserable. You know, and he lists off a couple questions. You know, and the thing that is troubling him, and we'll look at real quick, verse 3, let's look at verse 3 one more time. It says, I remembered God and was troubled. That's a very interesting phraseology. He says, when I thought about God, I was troubled. He doesn't say, I was troubled, so I thought about God. He's saying, me trying to reconcile being in this tough place, being in this trial, and then thinking how God is supposed to be all good and all powerful, it just, it just wasn't working for me. It was, it was troubling my heart and it was causing doubts in my life. That next, the next uh, phrase in that verse, verse 3, says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You know, that word complain there in Hebrew is the same word used in Psalm 119.15 when, when David says, I will meditate. So he's not saying I literally complained. He's saying it just, it, I, it, I mulled over it in my mind and I thought about it a lot. And I, you know, I kept thinking, you know, I'm troubled. I'm in this hard place. I'm crying out to God. But when I think about him, it almost feels like he's ignoring me. It almost feels like he's neglecting me. And he's having these, these, these dark thoughts about God. You know, he says, I'm trying to make sense of my suffering. And he's going, he's going through this tough time. You know, he's crying out to God. And he's, he's trying to make sense of the suffering. Let's look at verse 4. He says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. 
And if, if, if any of you know, you know, whenever something's really on your heart, when it's really tearing you up, it's something that oftentimes it keeps you awake. And he's saying, you know, the thoughts that I'm having of God, these, these thoughts that, that, you know, maybe God is ignoring me. Maybe my suffering is for no reason. These, these, you know, these dark thoughts that he's having about God, he's saying they're keeping him awake at night. He's not able to sleep. He's not able to get rest. He's almost, he's so, he's so in such desperation, he says, that I can't even speak. You know, this is the song leader for Israel. This is David's song leader, someone who constantly was singing. And we'll see just a few verses how he could always have a song in his heart. But he's saying, I can't even speak right now. I'm so destitute. I'm so lost in the suffering. And we see um, verse 4, he says, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. You know, as he, as he begins to entertain these thoughts about God that, that he knows are not right. And he says, you know, my suffering is just not making sense. Why am I suffering if God is so good? You know, David talks about God being so great a God, but it's not working. He's had he's has these questions in his life, you know, like why why does God let me suffer like this? Or how does an all-powerful, all-good God allow for evil? These are thoughts that you we've probably thought about or heard people say, you know, and they're very interesting questions and it makes you think like, I want I wonder about that. You know, there's questions that he probably had in Psalm chapter 73. I'm not usually in the service. We have the teen service on Wednesday nights. But I, I trust Pastor went over Psalm 73, and it's another Psalm of Asaph where he, where he dives into his discouragement that the wicked seem to be prospering and the, the righteous seem to be suffering. And the first, chap, the first half of the chapter is just him saying, look at, look at how the, the wicked are prospering and the righteous are being persecuted, they're going hungry, they're not, they're not getting you know, what it seems they should get, what it seems they deserve. You know, this seems to be the same formula for this chapter. And Asaph, he's a man of God. He's, he's, he's someone who, who David appointed or was appointed, and he was a Levite, someone who you know, was a man of God, he was the song leader of Israel. And for him to have this kind of discouragement and for the thought of God, to, to trouble him, it, it probably went against his grain. It probably was, it felt very wrong to have those kind of skeptical thoughts in his mind. And Satan was sending him discouraging questions, discouraging thoughts. And, you know, and he, and he thought, you know, these are the kinds of thoughts that wicked people and the fools, they, they relish in and they, they think on and they enjoy. You know, but for him, they felt probably blasphemous and he struggles against these thoughts that, that Satan's sending in his mind because he can't reconcile his suffering in the place he's at with, with how God can be so good. And that's, that's, that's pretty much what's going on in those first couple verses. Let's look at verse 5 together. He says, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. He says, you know, there were times... He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. And what, what that probably means is that he thought about other times that he had gone through trials similar to what he's going through and, and thought, you know, those were times that I was able to cry out to God with a song. I still had it in me to thank God. I still had it in me to call upon him. He says, I remember those times when I was able to do that. And he's saying, but I, I don't seem to find that, that kind of faith, that kind of trusting God that I did then. Maybe he was thinking, remembering those times, trying to, to dissect you know, the emotions he was feeling and bring some sort of peace into his life. 
You know, he was, he, was, he was unable to sleep. He was unable to speak. He was just so discouraged. And he says, you know, how he calls to remembrance those things. Let's look at on to verse 7 through 9. He says, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. You know, these questions that he's asking is basically, is God done with us? Have I sinned for the last time that God will not forgive? Is he done giving me mercy? Is he done be showing favor toward us? Is he done being gracious? Is he all out of forgiveness? Look at verse 9. He says in the last, he says, Hath his anger, hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? He says, you know, is there something that we did that angered him so much that it overruled his own character and made him think, I'm so angry I can't even be merciful anymore? You know, those are the kinds of questions that Asaph is, is pondering and are, are in his mind day and night and constantly keeping him awake, discouraging him. And, and he writes this down in this psalm. But let's look at verse 10. It says, And I said, This is my infirmity. He says, this is, it makes me sick to think about these kinds of questions. It makes me sick to think about where I am, the suffering I'm going through, and how I'm not able to find that, that reason for it. That God is not, is not showing me why I'm going through this. God's not, not making it clear how, how long this trial will be or when I'll be out of it. He's just, he feels so stuck in a rut almost. And he says, this is my infirmity. It's what's making me sick. You know, probably if you turn your Bible back just a couple chapters to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Probably went over this a while ago. Psalm 18 is a very famous passage. Psalm 18 is David and he's saying, we'll read verses 1 and 2 together. Or I'll read it, you can follow along. Psalm 18 verses 1 and 2. David says, I, love, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. You know, this is probably what, what Asaph was reading of David and saying, this doesn't seem like the same God that I'm serving. He says, David says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And this entire chapter just goes on to talk about how good God is to David and how he's his deliverer, he's his salvation, he's his protection. And Asaph is seeing that side of God and he's seeing himself in that trouble and he's just, he, he feels as though God has abandoned him. And he sees no purpose in his suffering and he sees no answer to it. But let's look at verse 10. He says, and I said, this is my infirmity. This is what makes me sick. Right here it says, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. See, whenever he's in his darkest hours, when the song leader of Israel is no longer able to sing, he says, but then I thought about what God has done in his past. He said, I may have questions about what he's doing now, and I may have questions about what's going to happen. He said, but I can trust God's character and I can learn his ways by looking at what he's done in the past. And he says, I looked back and I studied the history of Israel and I, I talked to people who are older and wiser than me, people who have gone down the road a little farther. And he said, I've seen what God has done. And, I've, and I, I talk about it, I think about it all the time. 
He's saying, and this is, you know, I may not understand what's going on with my life, but I can know, you know, that God is in control because of other people who've gone through trials. Because of the children of Israel who had gone through so many ups and downs. He said, but God was always faithful to them. Let's look at verse 13. He says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You know, in the same way how in Psalm 73, whenever he talks about being discouraged about the wicked prospering and the, the righteous, you know, suffering. He says, but then I went into the house of the Lord. This is the same way he says right there, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. He, he, he brings back to remembrance the importance of being in the house of God. And, and w- even when we're discouraged, the, the rest of the verse says, who is so great a God as our God? You know, his questions quickly change. You know, if, if you were to do a study on the times he uses he uses his personal pronoun for the times he references God. In the first couple of verses, he's just talking about himself. I'm so miserable. Things are so bad for me. Things are troubling me. I have all these questions. In the last couple of verses, he's talking about, wow, God, you are so great. You've done so many things. Look what you did for the children of Israel. Look what you are to, to the children of Joseph, Jacob and Joseph. You know, and these, 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 these questions that he was having, they quickly changed their tune from has God forsaken us to how great is our God? And that, that thought probably registered in his mind said, God is so great, he does not deserve to be put on trial by me for what I'm going through. You know, God has his own ways, he has his own ways of doing things, and he has reasons for why he does his things. And there's no, there's a, a God as great as he is, as perfect as he is, as holy as he is, as all-knowing and all-powerful as he is, you know, for him to, to be put on trial and to, to have to answer to us is an absurd thought. And Asaph realized that right here when he says, how great is our God? You know, he realized he's serving an amazing and powerful God. Let's look at verse 15. He says, thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. If you can, turn with me to the book of Exodus, real quick, book of Exodus I really enjoyed going through the book of Exodus with Pastor on Sunday nights. It's been a really interesting study. We're going to look at verse, chapter 6 of Exodus in verse 6. Exodus, in, Exodus 6 and verse 6. And we're talking about the children of Israel now. Because this is what Asaph brings up. Verse 6 of chapter 6, he says, Wherefore say I, sorry, wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with the stretched out arm and with great judgment. That parallel there, how he says, you know, thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people. He's he's referring back to the time whenever God redeemed the people of Israel out of slavery, out of suffering, out of the the land of Egypt, and gave them their own land. And the, the parallels there of the word redeemed how he stretched out his arm. You know, he says, you know, God, God is more powerful than I can ever imagine. and His ways are higher than my ways are, you know, and I can trust him. Verse, uh, let's look at verse 16 through 18 as he continues on talking about his miracles he did for the children of Israel. He says, verse 16, The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths were also, the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. 
You know, he's talking about, about a thunderstorm, that the rain fell, clouds, lightning struck. He says, verse 18, the voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, and the lightnings lightened the world, and the earth trembled and shook. You know, he's talking about the, the miracle of the Red Sea, how, how the, he saw the waters, and the waters trembled, and they split. And how he's talking about how in Mount Sinai, God gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, and there was an earthquake, and there was a storm, storms. You know, these, these are the, the miracles that Asaph is remembering. If you, look, if you look back on verse 10, he says, I'm going to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. He's saying, I'm going to remember what God has done. You know, this is encouraging because even whenever we don't know what God is doing right now, even when we don't know why we're going through a certain season of suffering, you know, we can know that, you know, God is still good. You know, there were times that God was good before and he's, he's seen his people through tougher times than what you're going through now and what I'm going through now. And we can see that based on his past record of faithfulness. And that's what Asaph is doing. He's looking here at the past and he's bringing back these references of how he's blessed the children of Israel. Verse 19, Asaph seems to come to terms with how he can understand God. He says, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. He's saying, you know, it, it's hard to track footsteps when you're walking through water. So that, that's not going to be possible. He's saying the same way, God's ways are not known. We can't comprehend why God does what he does. He says, thy footsteps are not known. He understands that in, for him to try to comprehend why God does what he does is, is beyond him. It's too far for him. And he says, you know, that, that, that's okay because he's God and, and Asaph is not. And let's look at, he realizes that. And he, um, let's look at, God doesn't always give us reasons for why we're going through trials. He doesn't always give, give us an end date for a trial. He doesn't always tell us, you know, oh, I know you're discouraged now, but wait, I have something in the, in the making. This is going to happen. This is going to be great. Or don't worry, this trial is happening. I'm going to use it for my glory. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't always give us that assurance. He doesn't always have us, have us know that. But, but just like Asaph here, he was crying. He kind of put all the focus on himself and all the focus on, on what was going on in his own life and how, how troubled he was instead of realizing that God is God. And he deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be trusted. He deserves our, for us to confide in him even whenever things don't seem to be going right. It's, it's, he's, he's our guide. Let's look at uh, verse 20. He says, Thou leadest thy people like a flock at the hand of the Moses and Aaron. It's, it's so interesting how many times you know, Jesus and God, they, they're referred to as shepherds. And how many shepherds in the Bible he uses. You know, but he finishes off this psalm by remembering God to be their shepherd. And he, he says, you know, even though, he's, even though you know, he's going through a hard time, he's seen God's faithfulness in the wilderness. You know, he's seen God's faithfulness in the past. He's seen it through the records of history. He's seen it probably in the past in his own life. And he's able to trust God and what he's doing, not because he knows the future, but because he can believe, he can, he can look back at God's track record and see, you know, God's always done what he said he'd do. And God's always used, used people and used situations for his own glory. And that's something that we can even do. Even in his troubles, he was, able, he was then able to see how David was able to say, you know, God is my rock. God is my shelter. God is my shield. He's my high tower. He's my buckler. You know, it was only after he took the focus off of himself 
and said, you know, wow, God is so great. He's so powerful. Who is as great a God as our God? And how can I try to judge him for what he's doing? And how can I demand an answer from him? It's after he goes past that point and says, realizes how small he is that he's able to find the comfort and peace that God wants him to have. And just realizing and saying, you know, that Asaph, you know, you're, you're not God. Let me do what I know is best and don't worry about what's going on in your life. And that's what God is saying here. Real quick, as we've gone through each of these verses, you know, I, I thought, you know, what could we learn from this? How can we take something from this and go throughout our week? You know, and the first thing I thought of is, how do I handle troubles? You know, whenever things don't go the way I think they should go, and I think things are to so terrible, you know, and, and I, I seem to say, well, you know, I think God forgot about that, or those kind of questions that he was saying, how God has forgotten us and God's tender mercies are no more. You know, do I behave that same way? Do I, do I question his work? Do I question his doings? Do I say, oh God, trust me, it would have been better for you if this happened. Nothing's ever caught God by surprise. He does things that he knows is right and he doesn't need our help. You know, every day in our society, you know, the devil's constantly shooting, shooting darts of, of negative thoughts about God in our minds. You know, he'll do everything he can to discredit the word of God, to discourage believers, you know, to distance the lost from himself. And, you know, this is one way that he does that. He, he gets us focused on ourselves during hard times. He gets us focused on our trials. He gets us to feel alone because instead of looking about how great God is that we serve and how small we are, he gets us just to focus on our own, our own problems and our own trials. You know, let's, real quick, two things that I noticed, you know, how, what Asaph was encouraged by and how he kind of got out of this, this rut that he was stuck in. The first is that he remembered how God had worked in the past. You know, how has God worked, worked in your past? You know, what, what, kind of, what kind of things can you look back on and say, you know, I'm going through a trouble right now. I'm going through a trial. Things aren't going the way I thought they should go now. But, you know, how has God worked in my past? You know, probably older Christians, those of, those of you who have lived longer, you have many more examples. But, you know, for one, if you've, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's one thing God has done in your past that you can thank Him for and you can trust Him about. And He's given us the gift of salvation. There's one of my favorite songs growing up was, was a song called More Than Enough. And it was all about salvation. He's saying, if I never got to see, if I never got to experience another day, you know, if I only had salvation, that would be more than enough. And that's, that's, that's true for us today. You know, if we think, you know, my life is literally horrible. Nothing ever good has come to me. You know, nothing has been right. I've, I've been miserable. You know, but you've experienced the gospel and you've, you've been able to accept Jesus Christ in your heart and you have that peace and that eternal life. You know, you have more than enough to be happy. You know, we look at another gift he's given us. He's given us salvation and he's also given us his spirit. If you can, turn with me to Romans in the New Testament. Romans in chapter 8. This is one of my favorite verses. It's very encouraging to think about. Romans chapter 8 in verse 26 Romans 8, verse 26. Paul says here, he says, Likewise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives within each of us, he says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. He helps us when we're down. He helps us when we're sick. How? He says, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with the groanings that cannot be uttered. 
You know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And there's things that you don't even know you need that the Holy Spirit is, is intercessing for you. He's talking to God and saying they need wisdom right now. They need peace right now. They need your comfort right now. They need strength right now. You know, that's, that's what we have. That's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Or a gift from God is the Holy Spirit. Just like He's given us salvation, He's given us the Holy Spirit to be our guide and to be our comforter. Next, He's given us provision and protection. You can say, oh, I don't have a lot of protection, but, but you're here tonight, and that's a great thing. And God has taken care of you to this point. And if anything, that should be encouraging to know that God is not done with you. You know, He still has a plan for your life. There's still something, there's still a reason why you're on this earth today. And the reason why you have the provision and the protection to live to where you are today and that you can be encouraged by. And these are ways that God has worked in everybody here's life. But I'm sure you can go and look past in your own life and say, well, God took care of me then. Or God took care of me whenever that happened. And not God took care of us whenever we went through that. And everybody will have their own experiences. But these are three that I know everybody here who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, you can be thankful for. And you can look back and say, you know, even whenever... Trials are hard and, and all I can think about are my trials and is God really making me suffer like this? And how come I don't know when this suffering will be over? You know, you can, we all can thank God for these three things. We can thank God for his salvation, for his spirit and the guiding he gives us, and also for the provision and protection he gives us daily. And, you know, as Christians, you know, we want to know God's will. And we, we want to be happy. And God, and Paul said, you know, that everything that we need to be happy God has already given to us. He says, you know, I have learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. You know, we can be happy where we are. We can be happy even through troubling times, even through times of trial, even when we don't understand what's going on. You know, if Apostle Paul, who had a worse life than any of us here have had, if he can be happy, if he can say something like that, then us here living in 21st century America, going through the, the, pers the persecutions that we go through and the hard times that we go through, you know, we, we can say that in our own lives, you know. God has supplied me with everything I need to be happy. The next thing I saw is that Asaph, you know, he was encouraged by remembering how God worked in the past. And secondly, by seeing God for how great he is. And literally just taking his eyes off of himself and off of his own trials and putting them on God. And saying, wow, God, you are so amazing. You've done so much you know, this goes hand in hand with the first verse, but you've done so much in the past and you are, you're too great to be put on trial by me. So you, don't, you don't have to answer my questions. You don't have to give me the provision I need. You don't have to let me have the Holy Spirit to guide me through life, to help me make decisions. But you do all these things anyway. And, and it's, it's mind-boggling to think how great God is and that he's still so interested and so invested in our lives as individuals. And, and for, for us to realize that, you know, it, it kind of takes the focus of, off ourself. And just like Asaph did, took the focus off himself. And it really changed his tone. It changed him from saying, hath God forsaken me? Hath, you know, hath God's tender mercies run out? Is he angry at us? To, wow, how great is our God? And that's, you know, that's another thing that he did. He was encouraged by, his, by God's faithfulness in the past. And he saw God for how great he was. And those are two things I think we can each be helped with and we can be blessed with. You know, they say, if you're not going through a hard time, you know, you're either going into a hard time, in a hard time, or coming out of a hard time. Everyone's going to have trials in their lives, you know, but we can always remember, you know, that Asaph, you know, he's, he's the song leader of Israel, and even whenever he was at his lowest, 
when he couldn't even raise his voice and, and sing to God, he was able to remember the things he had done and to see God for how great he was and take his eyes off himself and put them on God. 